0: connect to the world this morning. Well, good morning. morning. Welcome. I am excited because if you haven't noticed, I get to preach from a 55-gallon toxic barrel this week, and I'm super excited about it. Um, In case you didn't know, we decked out the sanctuary for our new series. We are starting a series this morning called Toxic, How Blessings from God Become Poison. Ooh, Dennis, thank you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, so I need that. And uh, now, I, now I have control over my slides this morning, which is good. Um, so we are starting a series, and the kids are staying with us this morning. So we are all, as a congregation, going to begin this journey about looking at the blessings God has given us and how in our hands they've become toxic and what we might should do about that. Um, any of you know the definition of toxic? Poisonous. Poisonous. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty basic, right? Like, Poison, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I looked up toxic in the in the dictionary, and it says toxic is something that has the ability to decay, destroy, make ill, or kill. I mean, that covers a broad range of pain and death and illness and destruction in, uh, in our lives. Now, um, any of you familiar with the Mr. Poison stickers? Yeah? Okay, so when I was little, I remember my parents taking these green Mr. Poison stickers and sticking them on everything under the cabinet. And it was this green sticker that was round that had this kind of like angry face on it. And it was to remind me as a small child, don't drink this, okay? Um, Because as a small child, I lacked the clarity that I shouldn't put that in my body because it would be toxic for me. So my parents slapped stickers on just about everything in arm's reach because evidently I was that kid. Um, And I don't remember being that kid, but that's probably because I was that kid, and I drank a few too many things I shouldn't have. So um, we teach our children, don't put certain things in your mouth because it will make you sick, or it will kill you, okay? And as adults, we grow up, then we have this natural instinct, certain things should not go in your body. Cilantro should not go in your body. Can I get an amen from anybody? Thank you. The rest of you are broken, and I will pray for you, okay? Um, So I have this... Uh, just instinctual desire to not put cilantro in my body because my body says that's toxic. There is something about the taste of cilantro that I said that will kill me if I eat that, okay? Now, for others, it might be like Windex, okay? And you think, I'm not going to drink that because it's toxic to me. As adults, we understand this. There are certain things you smell or you taste something that has gone bad in the refrigerator and you think, oh, no, I shouldn't continue eating or drinking that. Some of you might go, whatever, I'll give it a try and see how it works. Um, <laughs> rotten milk. Anybody? You get a whip of it and you go, that's not, that's not passing my lips, that's, that's going in the sink. Okay. Now, because we understand certain things are bad for our body and we should not intake them. But for some reason, we have that filter with food and with drink But something lacks in our spiritual filter. We lack the ability sometimes to go, what's toxic and what's not toxic? And so we tend to take in some toxic things into our life and our heart and our mind and our soul, uh, even though we shouldn't. So um, let's start off with the Garden uh, of Eden, right? This is the place that we need to start this morning. Um, In the Garden, before there was anything actually... God spoke and the world came into being, right? God called the world good, right? And then he created what in the world? People. People, okay, what did he create in addition to people? Plants, animals, water, cilantro. Animals, cilantro, that I don't know about that. Yeah. Grass, okay. He created the oceans, right? And he separated the sky from the from the, the dirt, and he separated the water from the sky, and he made things grow. And he said all of that was good, good right? And then he created mankind and he called mankind very good. very good. There's a distinction between the plants and the animals and Adam and Eve. And he called Adam and Eve very good. Now, in this garden where Adam and Eve were, where he called it very good, there was no pain. There was no sorrow. There was no suffering. There were no tears. There was no sin. It was this glorious, perfect, wonderful place where Adam and Eve, God's very good creation, lived in perfect harmony with their creator. And it was absolutely amazing. God had In this garden, given Adam and Eve a boatload of blessings, so many blessings for them to enjoy, to draw them closer to him so that they can engage in fellowship with him and with the life that was around them and with each other. So he gave them abundant resources, right? Did they lack food? No. No? Okay. Did they have enough clean air and clean water? Yeah. Um, Did they have enough resources to do whatever they needed to do? Is at their fingertips, right? So they had abundant resources. They had deep relationship with each other. They were married, and they enjoyed some abiding relationship there. They had language. That's a blessing, right? Did the animals have language? No. Adam and Eve were given the gift of language to speak. Um, They were created in the image of God and they could communicate with their creator in a unique and distinct way. That's a blessing. Um, They were given the uh, dominion over the animals, right? So God created all this beautiful stuff and then set Adam and Eve to what with the animals? What did they do? They named them, right? So Adam and Eve were given the blessing of dominion and power over some of God's creation. They were also given... The ability to choose. And that's the one we're going to look at this morning. The blessing of free will. The ability to choose. Um, And when these blessings that God has given us were used as they were intended to, they draw us towards God. And in the New Testament, when we use the blessings that God has given us, they draw us towards Christ and Christ-likeness and holiness. And this morning we're going to look at the first thing that turned toxic, which was our ability to choose. Um, let me say it this way. Choices become toxic when you choose self-glory over God's glory. Right. So in your hands, you have the ability to choose so many things. You can choose to sleep in or get up. You can choose to wear red socks or white socks. You can choose to root for Team A or Team B. You can choose to take this job or that job. You can choose to move or or to stay. You can choose to buy or rent. You can choose to hang out with these people and not these people. So many choices in our world. Everything that we do is practically a choice set before us. And the reality is choices become toxic when you choose your own glory over God's glory. See, let's look at Eve for just a moment. Eve Had a beautiful garden to live in, right? A wonderful husband to relate with. Dominion over the creation. All of the food at her fingertips. And she was told by God, all of this is available for you. Every single thing you have at your fingertips except one thing. Just don't eat from the tree over there, right? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Other than that, everything is for you. So what did Eve do? She ate, right? She ate, she chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She made a choice for her own glory above God's glory, and that ended up becoming toxic to herself, to her relationship with her spouse, and her relationship with God. Um, The intent of this series is to help us identify the true joy of blessings as they are intended to be lived out for God's glory. Um, And part of being created in the image of God, when God made man and woman, created them in his image, part of the image of God, this mysterious image of God that we are given, because I don't necessarily think God has ten fingers and ten toes, right? And he's not... uh, I don't necessarily think the image is distinctly this, okay? Because God is much more beautiful than this could ever be, right? Right? The image of God is something intangible and mysterious and greatly larger than this physical sense. And part of the image of God is that we are like him in certain things. Um, Parents, you have children, you notice they are like you, maybe in physical appearance, but sometimes you notice the habits they have or the ways they say things or the ways they do things. You're like, oh, that's me. And you suddenly see yourself in your children. That's the image of you in them the same way for us with God. God gave us free will. Um, If you read in Scripture, all over in Scripture, um, God is a chooser, okay? Um, We might not like to think that God is a choosy chooser, but he's a choosy chooser. He chooses all the time. The character and the nature of God is someone who chooses. Um, From the beginning to the end of Scripture, he chooses people and places and leaders. Um, He chooses sacrifices and cities. He chooses certain times to do things. He chooses life. He chooses death, he chooses victory he chooses losses, he chooses who to raise to power and who to bring down from power God is a chooser from the beginning of scriptures to the ends of scriptures that's part of who he is and when he created Adam and Eve he said I want you to look like me I'm going to give you the ability to choose because that's part of who I am and I want you to have that part as well and so he chose to love us Right? That's a choice God made. Part of his nature is to choose to love us, even if we don't choose to love him. God chooses, in his nature, to love us. And the gift he gave us, which is the ability to choose, it's called free will. The ability to choose, to choose one thing or the other. To freely, uninhibited, make a choice for our own self. And it's precious because it is the image of God in us. We are not puppets. Sometimes we get this idea that God is a puppet master and he pulls the strings on our life saying now this is going to happen in your life. Now this is going to happen. Now this is going to happen. And we lack the ability to choose. The reality is God is completely sovereign over the entire creation. But we also have free will. The dichotomy of the two is a balance that I don't know that I can work out really well in my mind. I just know that God has given us the ability to choose, to accept or reject him and everything he has to offer. And at the same time, that does not negate God's ultimate sovereignty over us. This is one of these great things we take in faith. God is completely sovereign and we can choose our own choices. And we, like Adam and Eve... We're given the freedom to choose to love and fellowship with God or to choose to reject Him. The choices that you make become toxic when you choose your glory over God's glory. That's a big, broad concept this morning. The choices that you make, though, also impact your life, the people you love, and your relationship with God, Adam and Eve, right? Take the fruit, like the fruit, see the fruit, eat the fruit, Oh, now my eyes are wide open. Hey, Adam, have some fruit. Suddenly, the choice does not just affect her. The choice is going to affect her husband, her marriage, her future, her relationship with God. And the same for Adam. She did not force him to eat. He chose of his own free will to partake in the fruit that Eve handed him. Both of them chose. Both of them affected their own lives. Both of them affected the people they love. Both of them affected the relationship with God because of a choice they made. Hindsight's always 20-20, right? Like, have you guys made choices thinking, this is good, I'll do this. And then, like, five minutes later, you're like, that was bad. I shouldn't have done that. Anybody? No, just me. Okay, thank you. Like, six of you. Thanks for that. Okay. Uh, Sometimes hindsight happens later on in life. You make a choice and you think it's a really good one and 20 years down the road you realize the significance of the choices you made in your youth have caught up with you in your older years and you think, if I could go back and tell younger me certain things about choices, I would go back and tell younger me certain things about choices. But then perhaps we wouldn't have the testimony we have today about how God has worked in our lives, right? So choices affect many things. Choices have permanent consequences for your life and for the people you love. You do not exist in a vacuum. Eve's choices affected Adam. Adam's choices affect Eve. They both chose to eat freely. Okay? Have you ever read the story of David's life? David was a guy who made a lot of choices. Um, I didn't mark this. In. I looked it up, and I didn't even put my bookmark in there. What am I doing? Okay, now i got to go find it. First Chronicles, if you want to follow along. 1 Chronicles chapter 21 is a great story. Um, David was a king and a leader, a man after God's own heart. But there's a moment in his life where he realized this whole thing in a very real way. Um, In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, David made a choice. God had said, just like he told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, trust me, don't take a census about your people. Trust me to provide for you. What does David do? David's like, I'm going to take a census. So David, uh, David made a choice, and he says, I want to count all the people and all of the armies, and I want to know how many people we have in our nation. He made a choice that was toxic. He wasn't supposed to take the head count, but he did, and uh, that didn't make God very happy. So like Adam and Eve were thrust out of the Garden of Eden because their choice was toxic and had consequences. God came to uh, to David and said, listen, the choice you made, not so great, okay? It's going to have some consequences. But since you like to make choices, I can play that game too. I will give you three choices, God said to David. You can choose, because you like to choose, which punishment you will receive. Now, I think God has a sense of humor. He's It's dark in this case, but it's a sense of humor. He says, hey, David, you like to choose. You made your own free will choice. Okay, that's great. Now you can choose one of three punishments for you and your kingdom because you disobeyed me. You can have three years of famine. Hmm, That's not so great. Uh, You can have three months of heavy destruction. I will send enemies to you and they will be heavy with the sword. Three months of continual sword and destruction. Or um, you can choose three days of a deadly plague from my hand. Which one would you like, David, for your toxic choice? So David thought about that for a little bit. He prayed and he decided he was going to opt for three days of plague. Not because it was shorter, but because he said it's better to fall into the hands of God than to fall into the hands of his enemy. Even if he is being judged for his sins, he would rather be with God than uh, his enemies, so he opted for the three days of plague, and um, needless to say, God sent an angel to Jerusalem, touched the city with plague, 70,000 of David's people died in that plague, because he made a toxic choice. And David was overwhelmed because his actions affected his life and the people that he loved and his relationship with God. And he was absolutely miserable because of the choice that he made. And then God sent an angel to Jerusalem again to destroy Jerusalem. And just about, this is like a great cliffhanger, just about as the angel was about to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord looked and he relented from calamity and he said to the angel who was working destruction, it's enough, stay your hand. God's grace is immense. And uh, in that moment, when God's hand stayed the angel, David realized his choices didn't just impact himself or his people, but his relationship with God. He was relating with God in a broken way. The reality is every sin, unrepentant, causes a wider gap between you and God. And David's sin, as of yet this point, was acknowledged but not repented of. And there's a really big difference between making a toxic choice, knowing it's a sin, and then also repenting of it. I can admit sins till I'm blue in the face. That doesn't mean I've asked God to enter into those moments and forgive those moments. When David saw the angel of the Lord's hand stayed, he realized God's mercy is infinitely greater than my sin and my actions see god never widens the gap between us his nature is a chooser and his nature is a gap closer not a gap widener we are gap wideners by nature god is a gap closer by nature and god said this is this is a wide gap david i don't want a wide gap i want to close the gap I will institute grace now, mercy in the life of your city and you, so that we can begin to close this gap. And in that moment of grace, David chose repentance. He cried out to God in this moment in his life, and he said, please don't punish the people for the things that I have done. I am their king, and you've judged them because of my actions And I'm broken over it. Again, this is David's life story, right? Please stop judging the people. They are innocent. I am guilty. And he repented of his sin, of his toxic choice. And the result of this prayer was that David went and purchased a big threshing floor from a guy named Arana. And he purchased the threshing floor at a great expense to himself. And he built an altar there. And he laid sacrifices on the altar. And he said, oh Lord, forgive me. And if you forgive me, receive these sacrifices. And the fire of the Lord fell on the sacrifices and burned them up. And the Lord forgave David of his toxic sin. See, David was a king, right? A king whose actions affected the people who followed him. And the lives of those people in his kingdom. And that day... When he watched 70,000 people die because of his own choice, he came to really realize that his actions affected people, not just himself, but his people, and it broke his heart to know that how he had acted was not only a sin against God, but it destroyed people that he loved. It's one thing to feel bad when you hurt people. It's another thing to realize that your actions separate you from God and break God's heart, because God does not want separation. He is a gap-closer, not a gap-widener. He is never content with a wide gap between him and his children. He wants to close that gap, and he will institute grace in any way he possibly can. God is a grace-giver, and he uses this thing called provenient grace. It's a fancy term, which means grace ahead of you. Okay, It's the word which means God knows that you will exercise your free will in a toxic way, in one way, shape, or form. And that's, that toxic will that you will exercise is going to separate you. But he does not want you to stay separated. So he will go ahead of you, lay down a path of grace, so that at some point, while you are stumbling around, making toxic choices, you will step into grace and be able to see how much he loves you and be able to choose something that is not toxic. Here's the thing. David was a king, made some choices that were bad, hurt his people, broke his relationship with God. There is another king, though, in Scripture uh, that we can read about, whose actions affected the people who followed him and the people who lived in his kingdom. And as he was ruling and reigning, he came to realize that the choices he was making would not just be for him, but would be for his people. And it broke his heart to know that his people had sinned against God, not him. And his people were making toxic choices with their gift of free will. And those choices were not just hurting themselves, but the people around them and the people that he loved. And they were causing this wide gap that was ever widening. And he saw that his people were becoming enslaved to sin, enslaved to toxic choices. And so he set... um, and, and that, that choice to make toxic choices set their glory above this king's glory. And this king was not okay with that. He couldn't stand for that. So this king made a choice, a choice that would forever change the choices that people make. This king chose to come down from heaven. This king chose to get up off his throne and chose to leave glory eternity and enter finite living to wrap himself in flesh To live a sinless life, to never once make a toxic choice, and let's be very clear about this. This king named Jesus, he was offered opportunities to make toxic choices. But he saw a greater good that could occur if he abstained from making toxic choices. So though he was offered temptation time and time again, in every single way we've been tempted, in every single time we've chosen something toxic, Jesus was offered the same thing and he chose not to to engage in a toxic choice. Because of that, he lived a sinless life. He never sinned against God the Father. He walked this earth. He chose 12 men to teach and disciple. He chose to heal the brokenhearted and the sick and the lame and hang out with the outcast. He chose to speak the truths of God's kingdom in a world that did not understand it. He chose to submit to God the Father's will even though it would mean death on a cross. He chose to die in our place for our sins on the cross, and he knew that this was the only way we could experience grace and be free from our sin and our toxic choices. So, this King, King Jesus, willingly chose to die for you, and three days later rose again from the dead, and through him we are made new. Through him, uh, our toxic choices can be forgiven, like David. Through him, our relationship with God that was once separated and far apart is instantly closed, the gap, and we walk in fellowship with God again. He begins to transform your mind and cleanse your heart and renew that image in him, uh, image in you of him, and your ability to choose changes. Scripture tells us a few things about our ability to choose. Um, It says this, Uh, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention, every intention, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil always. It's a pretty condemning verse, right? God looked at mankind and said, they are predisposed to choose toxic choices. Their natural inclination is to choose something that will lead them away from me that will hurt other people and hurt themselves and separate them from me. But it also tells us this. Jesus answered them, this is Jesus speaking, truly, truly, really, really. Like for reals, folks, is the translation. For reals, people, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if everyone's heart is intent on evil always, that means everyone sins... And everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Meaning that in some way we have lost our free will. We have lost our ability to choose. We have lost the ability to choose holiness instead of toxic choices. Our nature is default setting toxic. But God says it just can't have that anymore. Scripture continues to tell us anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we can call on Him because of the grace that goes before us. We are constantly, in our toxic choices, stumbling into the grace of God prepared for us by Jesus before the world was created so that in our toxic choices as we stumble away from God He's already there waiting for us in His sovereignty extending open arms saying My grace is sufficient for you and if you call upon the name of the Lord you will be saved and if the Son has set you free then you are free indeed and that means totally free from sin able to Exercise free will like you could in the garden. To truly choose holiness instead of toxic things. If you have called upon the name of the Lord and been saved by his grace through the blood of Jesus on the cross, your choices now are wide open to you. You can still choose sin, but you are no longer a slave to sin. You now can choose holiness and righteousness and walking with God and furthering your relationship with him. And when you stumble, God's grace is already there waiting for you. To pick you up, to hold you, to encourage you. Because if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. God's choice for us affected His life. He died for us, right? Those that He loved, He prepared the way for us to close the gap and be with Him forever. And it restores our relationship with him. Um, He will not force you to love him. God does not work like that, okay? The beauty of free will and being set free by the Son of God is he gives you the freedom to choose yes or no him, life or death, holiness or not holiness. Um, And there's this beautiful dichotomy in why would God create creatures that might say no to him? It's a really big question. I wrestle with this as a pastor, right? Because I see a scope of the world that is just broken and hard-hearted and sometimes downright evil. Why would God create people and give them the ability to choose evil, to choose not him, if you could give your child the choice to love you or not love you. And be completely content if they said, no, nah, see you later. I'll never talk to you again. I'll never read your emails. I will not call you. I will not come to family reunions. I will pretend as if I never knew you. Would you give that choice to your children? I wouldn't. But God loves us enough to give us choice. C.S. Lewis, smart guy, smarter than me, Right? He wrote in a book, uh, Mere Christianity. Great book, by the way. If you've not read it, you should read it. He talks about this, and he says this. Free will, though it makes evil possible, is the only thing that makes possible any love or any goodness or any joy worth having. A world of automation, of creatures that work like machines, would hardly be worth creating the happiness which God designs for his higher creatures. That's us is the happiness of being freely and voluntarily united to Him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight that nothing can compare to, not even the relationship between a husband and wife on earth. And for that reason, God's creation must be free. We must be free to choose. There is no greater love than love that says, I choose rather than I am compelled to. This morning, in this introductory message of toxic, we must face our reality. We have to make a choice. Every single day of our life, what do we choose? At some point in our life, we will make a choice. God or not God. Faith in Christ or not faith in Christ. And from that point forward, our lives go in completely different directions. Choose God, choose faith in Christ, and you are going to be propelled towards relationship with him that will craft in you a new life and a new heart and new desires and holiness that you could have never conceived of and a joy that is unparalleled. Freely and voluntarily uniting yourself with the creator of the universe. Nothing will ever compare to that. But in that choice, you must daily choose as well. Daily choose to spend time with him. Daily choose to read his word. Daily choose to talk to him. Daily choose discipleship. These are choices we must make because even in choosing to follow him, I was reading a Barna study that was done in 2015. I was shocked by the statistics of people who say in America, I'm a Christian, I have claimed Christ, but I don't spend any time with him. I don't read the Bible. I don't pray. 65% of Christians say, I don't spend time with God. I don't regularly go to church. I don't pray. I don't read the Word. It's a staggering statistic of people who say, I choose to be saved, but I will do nothing with my life for God. That's a choice we don't want to make. On the other hand of the spectrum, you can say, I choose not God but that is going to propel you away from a creator who loves you. Now you will keep running towards his grace. He will keep laying it before you in the hand of the God who made you will cease things in front of you and say, look at the grace that I have bestowed before you. Choose me. But he will never force you to choose him. You must freely and voluntarily unite your will with his. And that is your pastor is what I am here to tell you to do this morning. I'm going to give us a chance to pray. And in this chance to pray, I want us each to make a choice. I want us to choose God or, I can't make you, God can't make you, not choose God. The choice in God's great sovereignty is totally yours to make. But I guarantee you, choosing God is going to propel you towards something that is absolutely amazing, that you cannot experience apart from him and his people. So why don't we go ahead and close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm just going to ask one question. With eyes closed, heads bowed. If you want to make a choice this morning, would you raise your hand? Well, regardless of what that choice is, any choice this morning, go ahead and raise your hands that I can see. Right. Okay. Now, those of you that have raised your hands, still eyes closed, head bowed. Those of you that want to say, yes, I need to make a choice for God. Whatever that choice is going to be, salvation for the first time, choosing to engage in discipleship, studying his word, reading his word, praying come into services more often, get involved in Bible study, whatever that choice is, would you raise your hand so that I can see, pray for you? Yeah. All right. Now, with those hands down, if you're saying, I don't really want to trust God this morning, I don't know who he is, I'm not quite certain, would you raise your hand as well? I'm not going to call you out, I promise. I just want to know so I can pray with you and maybe have a discussion with you. All right. Thank you. Lord, your glory is far greater than we could ever understand. Um, Your grace exceeds anything in which we could uh, attempt to run away from. The story of the prodigal son, you are constantly looking for us, paving a way for us to come back to you. And when we do, you are waiting with open arms to welcome us into your family. This morning, Father, as we have in our hearts and minds said, there's a choice we need to make. Would you speak to us and confirm that, yes, this is the choice. Make this choice. Make this choice so that we can come to know you in a greater way. So that we are not the statistic of Christianity, but we are the church that you have filled with your Holy Spirit. So that we rise from this place this morning, confirmed in our faith in you, trusting that you are paving the way for us to close the gap ever more every single day. We praise you, Lord, that we are not machines, that we have been given minds to think with and hearts to feel with and our own will to choose. Lord, help us. Use our will to choose for your glory. May we voluntarily unite with you day in and day out for your glory, the good of our life, the good of those around us, and our relationship with you. We trust you with our lives, that you will lead us, in paths of righteousness. And we do this for your name's sake. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.